Welcome to Momentum Church. All right, well, January, we're going into it now, is a crazy month for our family. It's just absolutely insane with birthdays. How many has a month, a ton of birthdays? Anybody? We, today is Arden, my youngest daughter. She's eight years old today. Yeah, eight years old. So if you see her, show her some love. Eight years old today. And then, and then the 14th of January, just here in a few days, is Adelie's birthday. She'll be 26. And I can hear some of you are like doing the math, like what were you, and guests are like, are y'all crazy? Yes. So two sets of kids, 28 all the way down to eight, and um, five kids are all spread around. And um, so <laughs> the other birthdays are like March and June. But we have all these in, in January. Um, Amy's was Friday night, the 6th. And then Amy's mama's next week, my brother-in-law's next week, my daddy's at the end of the month. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a crazy, crazy month. But I want to go back, if you will, to that first child. Because you know how it is with first kids, right? So, man, my first baby with Adelie, I can remember when we had her, you know, it was, it was, it was really, really cold. It was like negative 15 degrees, literally. And I'm holding her. This was back, how many dads remember when they didn't let you stay the night at the hospital? right? I mean, dads, like, they wouldn't let us be there to see the baby get born at one point. I mean, like, 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 like you had to leave and that kind of stuff. And so, so for me, I was still in that place where I could see the baby born, but they weren't going to let me stay the night. So it is about 11 o'clock at night, and I'm holding little Adelie, and I'm in a rocking chair. I'm holding her, and I'm warm and cozy, okay? And Amy's out. She's asleep, and the nurse comes in, and she walks in, and she goes, Reverend Wiseman, whenever somebody starts that way, it's like, I'm going to the principal's office. That's how it feels. Reverend Wiseman, I'm like, yeah, yeah. She's like, listen, you're an hour past visiting hours. I need you to go ahead and let us take the baby, and you need to go home. And I'm like, oh, man. I said, look, she's sleeping, and Amy's sleeping, and it's really cold. You know? That's what I said. And she looks at me. She says, of all people, I would expect you to be a rule follower. And I said, nurse Cratchit, shut your mouth. No, I didn't say that. That's, that's what I was thinking. But I was just like, I was like, she don't know me too well, you know? But that meant I had to leave and go home, and, and I was freezing to death. But I remember getting to the house and just laying there in my bed and thinking, life is never going to be the same. Never be the same. Oh, so good, you know? Um, back in, in September 2020, I was able to take my family to, to the Grand Canyon. Not just my kids, but my son-in-law too. So like eight of us. And everybody that knows our story as this church grew, man, we were broke as a joke for years and years and years. And, 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 and I was like, I dealt with stress through eating, you know? So I was like 100 pounds heavier four years ago, you know? And like that for like a decade and a half. And so um, I'm like, hey, how are you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it was rough. And I lost that. And, and God just started bringing an increase financially. And, and I was able to take our family to the Grand Canyon, which was a mind-blowing experience for, for church planters, if you will. And all eight of us, you know, our kids and our son-in-law, just looking at the canyon. And I'm just like, oh, this is never going to be the same. Life will never be the same. It's just so beautiful. Never the same, you know? And, and then guess what? At the end of this March, coming up, I'm going to get to hold little Zachary. No? Shepherd. Little Shepherd. 
I'm not paying this kid's bills. I don't know his name. I need to know his name. Little, I, I have my five. Little Shepherd Zachary Van Dyne. I get to hold this little baby, and I get to be a pawpaw. I know, I'm going to hold that baby, just like Adley. I'm going to look, I'm going to be like, life's never going to be the same. Amen? Whew. And today we're starting a four-week series that we're calling Never the Same. That idea of experiencing moments in life when the things that you've been hoping for manifest, you know? Dreams that you get to walk into and desires that are fulfilled. I'm going to call those never the same moments. But I want you to understand, when you have those, when you get to look back and go, oh my gosh, look how faithful. When you have those never the same moments, they come from walking down certain paths. They don't just happen by accident. Those never the same moments come by walking down certain paths, by being navigated along by God. And I'm not saying I did it all perfect, and that's why I have these never the same moments, because I got some moments I didn't get to celebrate. But these are some I am able to celebrate, these never the same <clears throat> moments. And the thing is, I can think back to like Amy, you know, dating her. And, and, and you know, you want to be able to listen to the voice of God. And, and when I went off to study for ministry, she felt that she was supposed to break up with me and, and, and not listen to the voice of God. And she began to date around, you know, and, um, and, and long story short, you know, it worked out because every Friday night I would call and be like, hey, what you doing? I'm going out. He ain't me. Wouldn't I say that? He ain't me. You have a good time, but he ain't me. <laughs> I had to keep my foot in there, you know? And, um, but, but you know what? God just continued to direct our paths to where now we are together. It was 20, it was a lot of years. I can remember standing at the altar, and in the first service, I forgot our anniversary date, and I, I went and looked it up. And so, <laughs> Pastor Blair standing there with Amy, with Amy and I, and laying hands on us, praying for us on January, nope, July, nope, July, July 9th, I was getting there, July 9th, 1994. And I can remember him praying and like my, my knees buckling. And it wasn't nervous. I mean, it was the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I could feel a holy God at our wedding. I just, I'm going to fall out in the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to lay down here, you know. And um, man, I just left that again, knowing never the same. But we were going after the path of God, and God kept bringing us back into the right path that led us to that moment. And then we had Adelie, obviously, you know, which was amazing. And this is what I love, too. My son-in-law, where are you, son? <sighs> Rebelling against God, backslidden had tasted of the things of the Lord, had a heart for God, just young and dumb like most of us at one time. And God began to woo him back. And he listened to that call. He listened to that. And I'm telling you right now, he, his life will never be the same. Amen? Because he's got me as a father-in-law. <laughs> no, 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 I'm teasing our family will never be the same because Zachary Van Dyne is a part of our family. Our family will never be the same because his family is a part of our family. I know grandma and grandpa's out there. We love these people like their own blood. And, 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 and it all comes from being able to follow the steps, the path, and you don't even realize you're on it. 
But just being able to trust and believe and expect that God is in control and God is taking care of things and trying to stay on that path. And so at the start of the year, we all look for direction in life. We all want to find that path. We, we're all wanting to put our feet on the path that leads to change, that leads to increase, to the desires that are in our heart manifesting. We all want that. And as a church, we want that for you. Our mission here at the church, we tell people all the time, is to guide people to more in life through Christ Jesus. That is your church mission. If you didn't know it, we're guiding people to more in life through Christ. That is our mission. And, and it's, it's like an adventure that we're taking them on. But here's the problem with that. As you try to guide people, as we try to follow, we live in a world that is so easy, so easy to become disoriented. It's so easy to fall off the path that leads to God's best being seen in our lives. It's so easy. And how many know it's a horrible feeling to be lost and disoriented in the woods? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I was out metal detecting. And we're going to get to the word. We got plenty of word for you today. I was out metal detecting, and I got myself lost. And I went down this ravine, and I don't know how, because I'm a pretty good woodsman, but I got myself lost. And I'm with some guys, and I cannot for the life of me. I've doubled back. I've tried to find where I'm at. I can't for the life of me. I am lost. And so I call the guys on the phone. Um, hey, I'm lost. And they're like, don't worry about it. We'll beep the truck horn, and you just follow the sound of the truck horn. Oh, that's brilliant. If you can freaking hear... But if you're, you don't know, I'm deaf in one side. I have no directional ability whatsoever. If I'm at a store and you go, Pastor, I'm going to start on my weak side, and I'm going to go around until I see you. Oh, there you are. Hey. And so I'm like, okay, we'll try it. And so they beep the horn. What I needed was a compass. Because a compass, I can, and I carry a compass now, so that I, I, I can tell the general direction I need to go all the time. But, 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 but that time, they beeped the horn, and they said, just come to the horn. Oh, great, I'll do that. I'm listening to this clarion call, this, this call to freedom. And I'm trying to walk toward it, and it's going beep, 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 beep. Well, I guess I'm walking away from it. <laughs> New direction. And so I still did the north, south, east, west thing. I just had to do it. It was the third try. I finally, the sound got louder and louder, and I got to the truck, and I was okay. And so the thing about this is, this whole series that we're getting ready to do, in that moment, I needed somebody to give me a clear call to orient me in the right direction. I needed that, right? Over the next four weeks, I'm going to give you the clear call to orient you in the right direction. But listen, you will have to make the decision to walk towards that call. Okay? You'll have to make that decision. But if you will walk toward that call, these teachings, the next four weeks, I can say with confidence that you will never be the same. I can say it with confidence. And so what we're going to be looking at is four guiding principles that if embraced will guarantee your life will never be the same. And, and they're coming out of the concept that I have of a compass for our church. We need a compass culture here. And many of you know, for years, we've had six core values that manage the church, if you will. And that's awesome. We wanted to simplify it. We put it into four. Those six are still covered in the four. And so we're going to be looking at the compass culture, our compass culture, because you don't just need a call like a, a horn. You need something that's going to get you to where God desires you to be so that your life will never be the same. Amen? So that's our compass culture. I'm not going to go through all of them today. We're going to hit the first one, the in north, if you will. The in is this. Nothing is impossible with God. 
Well, that's a simple, simple thing. It, it is, but it's hard to live out. It is very hard to live out. Nothing is impossible with God. I want you to take your Bibles and stand up because we always stand to read the word of God on the first time of a, of a service just to honor God's word. And this is a passage of scripture that talks about how Jesus took three of his disciples, not all of them, but three of them, and took them up to a mountain, and they experienced something amazing on that mountain. And I just want you to listen. Be the three, all right? Be, the invite's to all of us. Let's go where God wants us to go. Let's follow his invite, that call, okay? Here's what it says. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. I agree. Amen. Like, haven't you ever been in a church service where it's just like, oh, the sense of the presence of God. Like, I don't ever want to go anywhere. I just, I just want to stay here. Yeah, that's what he's experiencing. And then he's saying, how about this? He goes, let's just make a tent for all y'all. If you wish, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. This is awesome. It doesn't get any better than this is what he's saying, right? He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And if, you know, I didn't see that in the first service. I love that. He's running his mouth about what he thinks God wants, and then God interrupts him. It says he was still speaking, and then God's like, hey. <laughs> That's so good. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed, and a voice came saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them and said, rise, have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. Do you know why they didn't have to have fear? Because the glory of God wasn't for them to be afraid of. It was for them to move in. That's why they didn't have to have fear. It wasn't for them. It wasn't coming against them. It was coming for them. It was coming for them to understand what that means to be in his presence and to be able to move from that place into what God had next. And so you can go ahead and have your seats because I want to be able to move us into what God has for us from and out of the presence of God. And so it starts with the presence. I told you last week in our online service, and I'll reiterate it, that God has given me a three-part mandate for this year for our church. And that first is to be aware of his presence. I want us to be more aware of God's presence. That means we have to be responsible to look and to give opportunity, and to give place, amen? But be more aware of his presence. I want us to be more in tune with his purpose. Be in tune with God's purpose. And then finally, I want us to be enabled by his power, amen? Aware of his presence, in tune with his purpose, enabled by his power. And I can see this, because when you look at the scripture, they're experiencing the presence and power of God in a very unique way, but God doesn't leave them on the mountain. He has an adventure of faith for them to walk out into. He doesn't leave them up there. He has an adventure of faith to, for them to move in the purpose that God has for their life. And so, yeah, there's the power and presence, but he also wants you to move into the purpose. And so they come off the mountain, and in Matthew 7, verse 14, it continues. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and knelt before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to here to me. 
Now, I'm going to stop there. I see in that a rebuke, but I also see a, a veiled invitation. Like, there's an invitation in that. Like, like, I'm expecting my disciples to move in the power, presence, and purpose of God. I'm expecting them to do the things that I have done on, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm expecting, and they haven't. So I see a veiled invitation there that God, in other words, God's still telling us there's an expectation in our life for more. For more. How long am I to bear? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Man, you can see here that from that place of the power and presence of God, God began to do ministry in and through that. And so I want to declare that from that place of the mountain first, I want to just say, this will be a house aware of God's presence. And, 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 and I will help you learn what that experience means if, if you don't, and, I, and we're at a house, I'm stuttering, we're growing in that, amen? And so this will be a house aware of God's presence. This will be a house in tune with God's purpose. This will be a house enabled by God's power. And because of that, this will be a house of worship, amen? A house of healing, signs and wonders. Yeah, yeah. A house where you'll truly discover that nothing is impossible. Say it one more time. Nothing is impossible. Amen. Y'all know I'm an audience participation preacher. You know what that means? That means if you don't participate, I'll preach you an hour. I will. I will, I will just to punish you, I will stay an hour. I promise. <laughs> but here's the problem. We can see them being touched by the power of God. We can see ministry flowing out, and Jesus obviously having to step in and deal with it, but ministry flowing out, but the disciples missing it. So there's a rub there in this narrative. There's some tension in this narrative. The next passage deals with that tension, 19 through 20. It says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And he said, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Wow. Why can't we do this? Because you have little faith. You're supposed to have mountain-moving faith, but you have little faith. Now, here's the thing. Mountain-moving faith. Is that something that we can expect? Like, like there's a patch of dirt over here that is going to be in our way when we build our student center someday, okay? And, and, and I, would, I just think if we all could reach our hands out in the name of Jesus, move that, it ain't a mountain, but move that little dirt, you know, move that piece, probably not going to happen. When you look at the scriptures, okay, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying that that phrase, that idiom in that day and age, it was just that. It was an idiom. Okay, you don't see Jesus moving mountains. You don't see any of the prophets moving mountains. Okay, there's been some times where God has moved some stuff, but you don't see them doing it. It's not like, hey, let's have a mountain movie ministry. Okay? <laughs> if so, come to my backyard. But able to move mountains is a figure of speech that means this. It spoke of someone who was able to overcome great obstacles in their life. That's what it means, that, that, that you should have the faith that can move the obstacles in your life. And man, that's what I want us to be able to have, even as a core value of the church, that we together on our own, but also collectively, that we're believing God for the impossible, for big things from our God. Amen? That we're believing that God can do whatever God says he can do. And we're partnering with that, with him. Amen? 
that's, that's where my heart's at, to guide people on that adventure to more in life through Christ. We've got to have increased faith in our lives. We have to, because nothing is impossible with God, and I believe when we get a hold of that, we'll start to have some adventures in faith. We'll start to see some big things that God does. We'll start to be able to believe God to move the mountains, not only in our life, but in the lives of others. And so what I want to do is I want to call you to raise your expectations. Raise your expectations. Those expectations that you have for your life, I want to cause you to raise your expectations for what God wants to do in your life. That might be your finances. That might be your health, in your ministry, in your vocations, at school, your future. To raise those expectations, I want you to begin to step those things up in 2023. Don't be afraid to have expectations. He's not afraid. Because here's what happens. When you begin to raise up your expectations, what happens is something starts to shift. When you begin to raise your expectations, things shift and things start to happen. I can give you an example. Last year, Maverick played basketball with the upward basketball. And he didn't have a lot of expectation in himself. And the other players didn't have a lot of expectation in himself. And he, he just, he had, his feet had outgrown his body, you know what I mean, at that point. And so he struggled last year. And um, so, so if he got the ball, he would stumble, he would trip, he would fall, he would miss. He, and so then the others didn't have much expectation in him, you know. And it was just a hard season last year. Well, this year, he's been playing down in the hood. He's been working it hard. <laughs> He has. He's been like getting it. I mean, and, and he really is doing incredible. And so yesterday was his first game, and there is an expectation. You can see it how he went on the court. You can see it how he dribbled. You can see it how he was like, pass the ball. Like, like I got this. And guess what? They passed the ball to Maverick, and Maverick took a shot. I think it's called a field. Is it a field goal when you're out in the? No, it wasn't a three throw, but it's out in the field. It's not the field. The, it doesn't matter. He took a shot, and it went right in. Man, yeah, we, it was first shot of the league, first shot of the season. My boy. It was awesome. And then he tripped over his feet. <laughs> but he's still my boy. <laughs> but um, all I'm saying is that expectation caused him to come at a different way. It, it, and here's the thing about it. That expectation increased because his ability increased. Okay. And so I want to go back to this little faith. Why could we not cast out this demon, they ask? Why couldn't we walk in what we know is possible, they ask? Well, they need a shift to happen. They need their expectations to rise up and for them to start growing. He said the reason why is because of your little faith. Now, that sounds like a dichotomy because he says because of your little faith, you couldn't do this. But if you had faith like a mustard seed, you could. Well, come on, Jesus, talk straight. Like, doesn't that, doesn't that sound like a dichotomy? Like, like uh, your little faith won't produce it, but seed like a mustard seed faith will. Well, here's the reason why. Because in that idea of little faith, here's what's actually saying in, in the Greek. It's saying that it is underdeveloped faith. Your underdeveloped faith will not be able to accomplish what God's desiring to do in and through your life. And he didn't say they had no faith. He, he didn't say that. He said, you have little faith. It's underdeveloped faith is what they had. And then he challenges them to be able to have faith like the grain of a mustard seed. 
when it comes to this idea of him challenging them about their little faith, it's not the first time Jesus did that. We can see Jesus doing that, rebuking the disciples when they were there um, out on the ocean or out on the Sea of Galilee and the waves, and he came and he brought peace to the storm. And then he said to them, he corrected them and said, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? We can see him doing it to Peter. Peter's walking on the water. But he got his eyes off Jesus, and then he began to sink. And that's a key we're going to look at at the end of the sermon. He got his eyes off Jesus, and he began to sink. And Jesus says to him, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? So we can see time and time again, Jesus has challenged them in their little faith, in their underdeveloped faith. And guess what? We can have the same problem. I have faith, but it's little at times. It's underdeveloped. We believe God, but our faith is small. It's weak. It's underdeveloped. And so Jesus, he wants us to to grow in our faith, and he compares it to a mustard seed. A mustard seed will turn into a plant, and that plant grows into a small tree. And so what does it take for a plant to grow? It needs to be nurtured. Amen? That's what it takes for a, a, a plant to grow. And here's what's wild. A mustard seed is only one to two millimeters in diameter but it'll grow into a tree that's 2.7 meters tall. That's like 2,700 times. That's awesome. And the thing about that is it's not about being able to just have faith better, okay? It's about the focus of your faith. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, all right? Because in the same way we're not born with great faith, it grows through use. It grows a lot like a muscle. In that same way, sometimes it feels like our faith has been stretched to the limit and we can go no further. Amy, we felt that, huh? Years ago, I mean, we went through some stuff. Amy and I, she told me not too long ago, she said, the enemy tried to get us this way, tried to get us this way, tried to get us this way, tried to get us this way. And then I love what she said. How's he going to get us? Well, she didn't say that. She said, how's he going to get you? Like, she, she gets prophetic to me, you know? It's like, man, he ain't. And it's not because we have great faith. It's because our faith is being developed. And all the hell we went through time and time and time again, should have put a PG-13 on that statement, all that we have went through, you know, has actually helped shape our faith. And I hated it in the moment, but I get it now. I was a snot-nosed punk, 32-year-old preacher when I came here to plant the church. It was your fault. Should have pastored me better. No, I'm kidding. No, in a sense, it was his fault. And I'll tell you why. Because we never faced tension in our 20s and early 30s. Like the church grew. It was so blessed. God favored Amy and I in so many ways. I didn't know. I, I thought we were just living in the fog, the favor of God. And then we come here, and man, it was hard, Pastor. And he, I would call him, Pastor, I'm not selling crack cocaine. I'm just telling people about Jesus down here. And man, it's so hard. And so God had to develop us. In our 30s and early 40s, that's when God developed us through all those things and helped us not to have underdeveloped faith. And I'm not praising myself because there was a lot of times I was ugly in the middle of it, and some of you guys have been with us long enough. You remember when I was ugly, you know? <laughs> I'm directionally challenged. Who do I need to punch in the throat? No. Oh, it's over here. Oh, oh, Charlotte, I can't punch you in the throat. Just because I'm scared of her, that's why. (laughs) I'm scared. I'm scared of her. No, they moved here to plant the church with us, her and her husband. (laughs) But 
I, we needed that kind of tension and that kind of growth, right? And so it's not, it's not easy, but that's what you need sometimes. <laughs> but we, become, we come through those things and we realize if we had more faith, that we realize we had more faith, faith than we thought. It's a painful process of growing, but we get stronger every day through rigorous training and the use of that faith. And I had a neat thing happen this week. Um, they were in the first service. I had a young man who called me, and his name's Tyler. And <clears throat> oh, a few months ago, he said, Tyler, he said, he said Pastor Ross, he said, I'm trying to grow. I'm so afraid to pray. I can pray by myself. And he goes, I can't even pray with some guys, but I'm having a hard time wanting to, being able to pray for my wife. And I was like, dude, I get it. It was a decade before I felt comfortable praying and leading my wife in devotional, in devotions, like reading the word with her. I still did it, but I felt awkward all the time. I always felt insecure and undone. I just felt like, what in the world? This woman knows me to the core, and I'm supposed to sit here. And, and, and I was pastoring for 10 years during this time, but it was hard for me to do that. About 10 years in, we really started getting a stride with it. And I told him, I said, if your pastor struggled in his early ministry, you're a new believer. It's okay. I get it. Still do it, you know, but it's okay. And so he calls. He says, well, here's what's going on. He said, I, I feel like I felt yesterday on my heart I was supposed to call you. I was supposed to call you and pray for you. And I was afraid, but I just felt like I'm supposed to pray. And I don't know why, if that's God or not. And I was like, oh, it's God. He goes, what's going on? I said, there's two things. I said, one, I said that my teeth have been hurting horrible. And so many of you know about my Lyme, the Lyme disease, not my Lyme disease. It's the devil's Lyme disease. But, but, um, but since November 3rd, I don't think I've said this publicly. I've done it on my Facebook. Since November 3rd, from my neck down, I have not had any pain in my body whatsoever. Amen. Yeah. Now, you know, from, the, um, uh, from my neck up, I've had some issues. But from my neck down, literally, no, no um, cane. I, don't, I, I went blind. I mean, you guys know the story. It was crazy stuff that that bacteria was doing to me. And so, but my teeth, since November 4th, when I left for that trip, that missions trip, I hurt almost every day of that trip. Taught through the pain. Since I've been back, there's been times I've taught through the pain. It feels like every tooth has a, a, a toothache in my jaw. It's just, it's nerve stuff, you know? And so I told Tyler, I said, man, I've been hurting this week really bad. And I said, so that's the first thing. I need prayer. I said, the second testimony is on my way home tonight. Just like an hour and a half ago, I was driving home from work and I told my wife, I got a great sermon. I really need a story that is a story in-house of somebody that's developing in their little faith. And I said, and you just gave me that story. This is Jesus. And so, long story short, he had told me that the week before, his wife needed prayer, and he was so nervous, and, and his mom was over, and, um, and his mom grabbed his hand and put it on his wife, and was like, pray for your wife, you know, like trying to stir him up, you know? And so now here he is praying this beautiful prayer for his pastor, through his nerves, through his tension, and guess what? I haven't had mouth pain since. Amen? Yeah. So... I'm, I'm believing that's that, you know, and um, praise the Lord. So that's so cool. Um, my brain just drew a blank. Where was I at? <laughs> that's weird. Like literally just drew a total blank. So <clears throat> we're, we're coming to a close. But, but Martin Luther said it this way. I love this. He said that faith is nothing but believing what God promises or says. That's all Tyler was doing. I've heard them say at church, you can pray and believe for healing. And so I'm raising my expectations. I'm nervous as all get out, but I'm going to call. I'm going to make that, I'm going to do that prayer. 
You know, he rose up in faith. And guess what? God does the impossible. Whatever remarkable thing we read of happened in the Old or New Testament, we read that it was done by faith, not by works, not by a general faith, but by faith directed to the matter at hand. That's what Martin Luther said. And so in other words, we can say it this way. If God did it in his word, he can do it in your house. So how do we increase that faith? How do we have that step up? I'm going to tell you one last thing. Dwight Moody, as a young preacher, wanted to increase his faith. And he would pray, God, increase my faith, increase my faith, increase my faith. He would close the Bible and pray, increase my faith. And one day he opened his Bible and he read Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And he said, at that moment, I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. He said, now I opened my Bible and began to study and faith increased. Amen. And so going into this new year, we cannot increase to believe God to do the impossible if we're not people of God's word. We're going to get into that more next week. But it's not about having faith in faith. That's why you need to go to the word. That's why you need to be at an altar. That's why you need at home be in your time of prayer. Because it's not about having faith in faith. I was kind of raised in an environment where you had faith in faith. Like if you could just mm, grunt enough you could get your miracle. Like, I'm, I'm getting my miracle or a hemorrhoid, but I'm coming. I'm, I'm, something's happening today, you know? <laughs> Anybody raised in that background? Yeah. And so, but I mean, I, we still need to believe, but it's not faith in faith, and it's not faith with the object of your faith being the thing you want. No, it's faith in God. The one who can do all that is impossible. It's when Peter got his eyes off Jesus that he stopped being able to walk on the water. He was walking on the water just fine to Jesus. But then he started to sink. And that's when Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? So faith is only as valid as its object. And the object isn't what you're believing for and praying for. Because that could be delayed a long time. I'm just being honest. That may, I I don't want to discourage you. Maybe in this lifetime, never be answered. Does that mean you have less faith because you didn't get your miracle? No, no. Where were your eyes focused on while you've been waiting all these years for the miracle? Were you able to overcome? Somebody needs to hear that. Were you able to overcome? Are you able to be here today and you have overcome this point even without your miracle manifest? Guess what? If you've overcome, you moved a mountain and that was impossible. That was God in your life at work. Amen? Don't let nobody tell you you don't have faith because you're not walking in your miracle right now. Amen? I'm saying we need both. We need miracle-working faith right now to see a miracle. But I believe that when we see that, God sometimes carries us through stuff that's powerful. Powerful. Amen. And so faith is the object. Jesus is the object, not faith. And so what we're going to do is we're going to focus our hearts right now on him. We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to go and take communion. All right? Oh, we're not doing the communion. Oh, you guys told me that and I forgot. <sighs> this has been, we're going to have to, we're going to have to broadcast first service because this has been too squirrely. We got guests here. I'm sorry. Can I, can I give you a secret? We had some communion from in November. And we tested it on Monday and it was fine. Was, I tested it. It tastes fine. Today... We gave it out. And I tasted it again. Tastes fine to me. But everybody else, they said it didn't taste fine. So I'm reminded that I fed my family for six months out of a dumpster 10 years ago during the recession. Maybe there has something to do with my, um, yes, my, 
Oh my gosh. I want to thank you guys for being, for being okay with your pastor. But here's the thing. Then let's just talk about focusing our faith on the object of our faith, on God, because you can have tremendous faith in very thin ice and drown, you know? But when you step out on very thick ice, you will be perfectly secure. That's what I want. I want you to be able to develop an expectation that finds your, that, that focus in God that will hold you no matter what you're facing. Amen? That's, that's what changed Mac. It was the expectation at that moment that he could, and he started doing that, you know? And so keep your focus on God. The Bible teaches if we can get in faith and stay in faith, everything else will come. Everything. He says all things are possible for those who believe. But I don't believe that that is faith in faith. It's faith in God. Nothing is impossible with God. So let's press into his presence and be aware of his presence. Amen? Be more in tune with his purpose. Be more enabled by his power. Man, and as we're doing that, as we're making places, we're focusing on him and expecting big things in our family and our lives, and our, guess what's going to happen? That little mustard seed's going to start growing. Start growing. And you're not going to be underdeveloped. You're going to be developed in your faith. And we're going to see an individual expression of it in your testimony, your home, your life. But we're going to see a corporate testimony of it as a church, amen? As a place where God's presence is welcomed and his people are in pursuit of his purpose and enabled by his power, amen? And so I'm going to close in prayer. Let's just bow our heads and hearts. Jesus, right now, I thank you for my friends that have gathered today. I ask, Lord, that you would just allow us to sense the drawing of your presence, allow us to be obedient, to take those steps towards you, and allow us to have faith and confidence enough in you to see you do the great things you desire in our lives and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.